Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. So hi Jordan, this is Omer. Uh, I would like I would like to give you a few minutes to tell us about yourself and then we'll move on to your startup. Excellent. Uh, my name is Jordan Olivas. I am the co-founder and CEO of KissPay. Uh, we're one of the fastest growing startups uh, from Pakistan. Uh, we are a one-click checkout uh, and headless commerce provider uh, for mainly the U.S. and Pakistan. Uh, so we originally started as a buy now, pay later company, uh, but we quickly realized that what we were building was not actually a fintech, but rather a infrastructure company where, you know, in the U.S., you can essentially build out, um, you know, a tw- you know, you connect to Twilio really easily and connect to Stripe really easily. And, you know, there are services like that in emerging markets, um, but we found that they just weren't as robust or as reliable as we needed them to be. So we had to build a lot of internal infrastructure in order to support some of these uh, common infrastructure plays. And, we got to the point of saying, how do we extend this infrastructure to other payment methods? And that's where we came with the idea for one-click checkout. So what we do is we aggregate our hundreds of thousands of consumers and we allow them to check out using only their phone number across hundreds of sites, actually over a thousand sites today. And uh, the nice thing about this is that now they don't have just the option of installments, but they can actually purchase with cash on delivery, easy payza, debit card, credit card, and a number of other different form factors, all using just their phone number. And all their information is aggregated under a single profile, so they no longer have to shop at different places. Um, And then they have the ability to know that they have a PCI and ISO certified organization supporting their data quality and integrity. Uh, We, as I mentioned, we originally started in Pakistan, uh, quickly moved to the US um, for further expansion because what we realized was in the U.S. So you started off in Pakistan? You started from Pakistan? You were already in... in a- yeah, we are. so so I'm, I'm originally from the U.S. Um, and uh, I, uh, I started, then I went to the Pakistan market about nine, 10 months ago. And what we- What brought you to the Pakistan, by the way? In the first place? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had an investment in a software house, a small one, nothing crazy, and Pakistan, that was my only relationship to Pakistan. And um, then one day my co-founder and I decided, hey, let's, Let's do this as a big population. Um, it was, um, you know, not a lot of focus in fintech at the time. There was a few companies kind of getting started, and we just saw it was a really ripe opportunity to come in and kind of help build the initial ecosystem in Pakistan for startups. Um, but it's been a, it's been a great place to do business, right? And a lot of really talented engineers, talented salespeople, talented marketing people. Uh, so it's been a really good move for us because. Also, the story of a fintech starting in Pakistan and moving to the U.S., uh, we were the first ones to do that. And so that's a really fun story to tell people. Um, But we essentially built this massive infrastructure play, right, that's super scalable and reliable. uh, And we realized that the platform itself, because we have the ability for a retailer to go in and essentially activate any payment method they want with no code and to A-B test those different payment methods very easily, uh, we realized that that value proposition was extremely strong in the U.S. So we pitched it to a few retailers and now we're engaged with over a dozen uh, billion dollar plus, billion dollar USD plus retailers that are looking to use our platform and have already signed hundreds of Pakistani retailers um, on our new one-click platform. So 
That's a bit about us. Um, my background personally, I'm from a small town of a few thousand people in New Mexico. Uh, you know, I uh, was, uh, you know, ex-Klarna. So I started at Klarna uh, when they launched their pay and force solution, which everyone knows and loves now. And I was also the VP of sales at Charge Actor, uh, who actually just raised a 40, I think it was a $44 million Series B round. Um, so, you know, my whole background is fintech and working in retail. So I know the space extremely well. Um, but uh, yeah, really excited to be here today. So uh, talking about your business model. <clears throat> uh, so it's the word is kist pay, right? It's like on installments, correct? Yeah. So it's, it's so it's kind of, so it's kind of a, it's, it's interesting how we started off with that. It's, it's so we, I was looking for a very literal translation into what we were doing, which was installments. And so we came up with the name kist pay and we, when we moved into one click checkout, and we started to see this value problem. Hey, how do we not just offer buy now, pay later, but also a wider variety of options? Um, should we change our name? And we decided, you no, know, people already know us, right? I think we're just gonna leave it. We'll have to do some market re-education. That'll be fine. But then to take it a step further is when we started to the US, everyone was like, are you gonna keep the name again? And I said, no, I wanna keep those Pakistani roots. I wanna keep that name. I, that's what people know us for. That's how they recognize us, our pink logo. I wanna keep the name Kispay. I wanna keep that kind of Pakistani root name in there. And uh, you know, I, I stayed very firm on that. I, um, so it's, uh, it's known as Kispay in the US, Kispay in Pakistan, um, but now there's uh, some market correlation as to exactly how that all got started. So, so I'm trying to understand, uh, I mean, uh, uh, what your platform is. So really, as I'm, I'm a Pakistani retailer, I can integrate your, uh, your SDK or whatever, or your software into my point of sale system. And just by using my consumer's mobile number, I can accept payments through them. Correct? Is this, is this yep. what it is? It claim point of sale, whether it be physical point of sale or online point of sale. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that, the, well, the problem is, is that, Right now, when you go in, let's just say you use a Magento site or a WooCommerce site, whatever it may be, you use the standardized checkout, right? And that's what people are used to. It's what's normal. But the problem is no one is really focused on what checkout means, right? How do you make it faster? How do you make it less friction? How do you make it frictionless? How do you convert more consumers? And it's interesting, especially from a Pakistani mentality, right? And not just Pakistani, but sorry, I say e-commerce mentality, Everyone's so focused top of funnel. How do I get more leads in? How do I get more leads in? How do I get them to add these things to their cart? But then no one actually focuses on the very last step, which is the checkout, which is the most important part because without that, you can't do anything. A lot, of, a lot of people abandon cart because the checkout experience is bad. You, exactly. You nailed it, right? And so when you look at the checkout experience as, as, a, as a brand, a very common response that we get is, well, my checkout's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It works. I'm like, how could you say that, right? If you said that about your logistics, be like, oh, well, the item gets there. It gets there eventually. Yeah, it'll be fine, right? It wouldn't work. Oh, we've got 10 SKUs, but we'll get more eventually, right? We'll worry about that. It, it, it will get more eventually, right? You would never grow as a business. And so what we're starting to open the eyes of not just people in Pakistan, but even in the U.S. and the second that anyone, any like re, what I would say really advanced retailer that has a lot of in-house expertise around e-commerce and payments, when they see our platform, they are absolutely blown away. I've actually got the, the term, mind, their minds were blown when they saw the platform and what it does. 
Um, there's nothing else like this in the space. Um, they are just like, we are getting a lot of international attention on what we're doing. Um, we were actually supposed to be on CNBC uh, right before the news on uh, Ukraine broke out. Um, so Vladimir Putin kicked me off of CNBC. So <laughs> that's my story of the year, you know. Um, you know, and it was it was really interesting to hear that there was, we're getting so much international attention on what we're building, all from a company out of Pakistan, right? And I, I, again, I think that story of coming from a country where people typically don't, from an international perspective, have a, in my opinion, a very illogical negative representation of the country because I walk around Islamabad at night and I've never had an issue. Like I, you know, if you look at the stats, several of the cities in Pakistan are safer than Chicago. So I'll just kind of <laughs> leave that yeah. factual note there. Uh, I, I can absolutely vouch for that because I, I, I spend a lot of time over here. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's more like a perception problem, not the actual problem. Yeah. Uh, so, so, and, and, and in your software, you have kind of integrated various sort of uh, payment options like EasyPass, et cetera, et cetera. So for the end customer or, or, or retailer or merchant, uh, you provide a one-stop solution and, and they can get to use all of these, correct? Yeah, and so from the consumer perspective, they have a, an accelerated checkout flow, which means they're gonna convert much more frequently. Um, but secondary to that, what makes it really interesting is that because we have this aggregated data view, we can go in and we measure every single click, every single mouse movement. And we're not just talking about heat maps, but we are literally tracking every single event. Every time there's a, a, a keyboard click, anything that there is, and we're saying, how can we reduce the amount of time that it takes from the time of them open, opening the checkout to the time that they complete their order? Mm -hmm. How do we reduce that timeline? Because we also got in the beginning, we also got response like, well, I could build this, right? It's like, yeah, go for it. You don't have a hundred people focusing just on this one part of your checkout, right? That's all we do is we focus on this checkout portion. How do we increase this conversion? Um, and it, it's a, it, it makes a big, as you know, right? Coming from the tech sp uh, space, friction is very hard to eliminate. Um, and the further down the rabbit hole that you go, the harder and harder it gets. So the more and more focus that you need. Um, so it's, it's, we spend a lot of time on uh, time optimization. So our average load time is about 1.3 seconds, assuming the merchant server is you know, decent enough. Um, it's, they're all load balanced or PCI compliant. We have our ISO cert, um, we have multi instance. So depending where the consumer is sitting, we'll actually load up another instance from a different country in order to have a faster page load time, right? Um, so we're doing all these things to really see how, what can we do to make that checkout experience faster? Um, we're even doing things like, um, one of the things that was really interesting to me that I learned, so I've been in e-commerce quite a number of years and in the US, right, abandoned cart emails are a standard, right? It, they just, they happen almost everywhere that you go. Hey, you added sync to your cart, you should come in and get it, right? Right there alone is about will make up fifteen percent of your fifteen uh, percent of your revenue just by enabling those abandoned cart emails. In Pakistan, those aren't being done at all by almost any merchant. There's very few merchants that are doing that. Some of them will do an SMS or a call, right? But those are very high cost in terms of re-enabling a consumer. Paying someone to pick up the phone, dial, spend the time is very costly. Sending SMS out, even if it's only a rupee, adds up very very quickly for abandoned carts. If 98% of your carts are being abandoned, that becomes very costly, right? You're essentially spending an additional 98 rupees just to try and recover that. So what we're doing is we're enabling low cost alternatives through highly specialized channels 
in order to convert those consumers as part of our value proposition. Sure. And um, so one thing uh, I, I was curious about that uh, you started off this uh, FinTech company out of Pakistan. And because, I mean, as I say, sometimes there are, you, you got these massive opportunities because there's not a lot of groundwork already done there. Now that comes with its own set of problems, which is the country may not be ready for FinTech. I mean, the banks may not have the appropriate gateways, APIs, the merchants won't have that. So, so walk us, uh, walk us a bit through that, that uh, how did you find this space and over the time that you have already spent, how have you seen it evolving and uh, where it is heading to? Yeah, man, I can speak days on this. Um, you know, I think one of the hardest things that I had in the very beginning was finding, as I mentioned, common infrastructure to work with our platform, right? And that's what we built, right? That was a lot of, so we have a lot of redundancies for things that you typically don't need redundancy for. Um, but I think what I'm seeing evolving is the understanding of what the startup ecosystem means, both in a positive and a negative way. Um, so one of the things that I really do, uh, really, I spent a lot of time trying to develop the startup ecosystem and engaging with other founders, um, helping them along, making introductions to investors, whatever I can do in order to make that happen. Um, however, because I come from the startup ecosystem, I know that um, employee poaching, right, is a very common thing in the U.S. But once again, the U.S. has a massive startup talent pool that you can pull from. And when you work into emerging markets and it's very small, you're talking a few thousand people, there almost needs to be like a mutual understanding between startup founders that you're not going to take employees from another startup because it creates this terrible cycle, right, of churn. And then investors see that and then investors start to pull away from that country. So it ends up hurting the ecosystem. And when they think that they're being smart about it, they go, oh, I got this great guy from, you know, so-and-so startup they're actually hurting the ecosystem, actually hurting themselves in the long run. And so I spent a lot of time trying to educate founders like, look, I come from another startup space. Let me help you understand what are the things that we're doing and things that I've seen in my experience of, you know, what we can do to help nurture this so that in a few years, we're all massive, right? Instead of us trying to, you know, cut each other out, it doesn't make any sense. So I would say 90%, maybe 95% of founders are understanding of this. And they're, they're awesome to work with. But then you have the other 5% that are very much, oh, I'm going to do whatever I want anyways, right? <laughs> um, and so as, as, as the ecosystem and the infrastructure starts to develop, you start to see this clear delineation of the who you know is going to be successful is typically the ones that like to play nicely with all the other startup ecosystem players and the other 5% that kind of want to do their own little thing, right? And you'll kind of see the start, them, start to see them fizzle out over time because you'll see it time and time again. Um, these, these ecosystems are built off of partnership and, and friendship, uh, friendship, trust. Um, you know, a lot of things have nothing to do with startups. Um, it's just kind of a mutual understanding and trust that you have with one another. Yeah. So in terms of when did you actually start it? When did you actually start in? What is, how's your current traction right now? Yeah. So, I mean, we, uh, we kind of, we incorporated in the U.S., January of last year, we didn't really get started, started until like, you know, I think April, May. So we're coming up on our year anniversary here pretty soon, which is really exciting. Um, we have about 1500 retailers. Um, so Generation, Sapphire, Uniworth, Xiaomi, uh, Mamuso, uh, Diesel, Dune London. Um, we've got a, 
bunch of great retailers that work with us. Uh, uh, we've got hundreds of thousands of consumers. Um, and I think one of the things that that's developing very quickly is, um, is we have probably the most advanced risk scoring system in, in the country. Um, so we approve roughly, you know, well over 35 to 45 times more than a credit card application gets approved in the country of Pakistan. And not only that, but we do it instantaneously. We do it there, there is no, you know, there is no lie. It's a matter of a few seconds that we make a credit decision. Um, in addition, we received the first ever country's BNPL license. Um, so we were really proud of that. And uh, yeah, we've just continued to, to grow and scale. And when we looked at BNPL, um, it's a great product. We love it. Um, there's also a lot of education, right, of what you have to do on the market, right? Because I think there is sometimes a, a misunderstanding, right, that, hey, it's BNPL, you approve everyone. It's like, no, at the end of the day, we're lending money, right? That's what we're doing. And you don't approve everyone, right? We just approve <laughs> just a heck of a lot more than a traditional credit facility would. Um, and so, I mean, for us, you know, we're, we're trying to help build, once again, that one, our one-click platform will further help educate consumers and merchants on how newer payment ecosystems work. So I'm a huge fan of crypto. We've enabled things like BitPay and, and uh, some others uh, like Coinify onto our platform. Um, and I'm hoping that when crypto makes through some regulatory regulatory hurdles uh, hurdles in the uh, in the country, that we can be the first one to activate you know thousands of retailers on, on a single day uh, to accept crypto. So that is uh, for me is a is a big a big uh, goal of mine. Okay, and uh, in terms of your fundraising, I mean, how is the journey so far? Where are you? Yeah, so we've raised, uh, we raised two rounds, um, kind of like an angel round and then, you know, a, a seed round. Uh, we have raised money from some of the most prominent uh, people in, uh, in the fintech space. Um, several several co-founders from Buy Now, Pay Laters, like Scala Pay, Zip. We have C-level executives from a firm and from uh, Split It, and we have leaders from Klarna. Um, and uh, uh, we just pulled in an executive from Adyen recently. Uh, we also have GFC, MSA, um, and a number of other people that have been involved. Um, also people from Rapid, right? You know, it's, it's, we have a very, very heavy cap table of fintech experts that have helped build out these platforms. Um, fundraising is always one of those things where uh, you're constantly doing it, right? <laughs> um, while you're also trying to execute. Um, I think what's going to be interesting to see, though, in the fundraising space for Pakistan is, I think this year you're going to see a lot of investment coming into the country. Um, but with the global markets the way they are, it'll be interesting to see what happens, not really the first half of the year, but rather the second half. So I think right now there's been three announcements of, you know, $20 million plus rounds, which is really exciting. Um, and I'm hoping that we're going to reach a dozen or so by the end of the year or so. Uh, you know, there's a lot of big funds out there currently raising, raising money or that have raised funds already um, for the market was a little bit stronger. And so I think what's going to happen now is, is you need to see, are they going to invest those funds? And if they are, at what stages are they going to invest? Are they going to go super early? Are they going to say super late? Are they going to focus more so on the A or the B? Um, that's yet to be determined. Um, I could go all day kind of think, you know, talking about uh, potential scenarios. But I think right now the money is still out there. You're seeing a small dip at the moment from a global perspective. But overall, if you're looking at year over year, you're still seeing a massive gain. 
So there is like this kind of like nuance in the, in, in the, in the market right now where people are like, you know, oh, there's no money. I'm like, no, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of liquidity. Um, you just have to align yourself with the right investor that understands one, your market, your model. But have you seen, I mean, uh, the investor sentiment is now growing more to positive towards Pakistan. I mean, there are a lot more. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Tiger Global has done its first investment over here and there are many more are coming in. So I, I personally believe it's still a very undervalued market when it comes to oh, Look, population alone, right? Like just strip away every other thing that has to do with Pakistan. You say, I've got a country with 220 million people. That alone should be a strong enough indicator to kind of get, you know, peaks and mirrors, right? Um, right. I think Pakistan still has a long way to go. It's a matter of what scale it's going to happen at um, between now and the end of the year. That's the big question everyone's waiting. Is it going to be another $350 million a year? Is it gonna, I think it'll be closer to a billion. I think it'll well cross over past the half billion mark. Um, but we'll see what kind of arranges. But no, you'll start to see more tier ones. I've heard rumors of other tier ones coming to the market, which is super exciting. Um, you're starting to see more angels starting to come into the market for early stage stuff. Um, but the, I think what's going to determine a lot of that is, is how well can the ecosystem play with each other? Because people have their eyes on every little detail, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, talk to, more, uh, talk to us more a bit about, a bit more about your team. I mean, how you have structured, do you have co-founders? How did you come along initially and uh, how it's uh, panning out right now? Yeah. So right now we have uh, my co-founder, uh, Saad, who is, you know, him and I founded the company together. Um, right now he manages all of our analytics. Um, we have uh, department heads and execs on everything that you think of, um, you know, everything from product to sales and everything in between HR, all that fun stuff. Um, and I think, one of the things I spend a lot of time on is trying to enable my team to make the best decisions that they can um, without having to constantly look for my approval, right? Um, and I think there are a very large portion of our team members that focus on really how can I make this decision that's in the best interest of the company? And that allows us to scale very quickly. So we've built a lot of tech very quickly in a very scalable manner because I think we've taken that approach from the get-go. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> towards the last questions of, uh, of, of this uh, interview, where you see yourself like, like say by the end of this year or in a couple of years? Yeah, I'm hoping by Q1, by, you know, I would say end of this year being a Q1, we want to be a, a unicorn or very close to is our goal right now. Um, we, with the entrance of the US market, it gives us a TAM that can scale. And then with the, with the opportunity we have in Pakistan, I think just in the Pakistan business alone, we could grow this company well past a quarter of a billion dollar uh, in valuation. Um, and then it's going to keep growing, right? I think Pakistan has this amazing upward trajectory that if you're just a first market mover and you secure yourself a spot, the market's going to continue growing at a rapid pace and you're going to grow along with it. So that's for my long-term vision. That's what I'm really excited about that in five years, I'm hoping Kispay will be one of those names like, oh yeah, they were one of the first ones in the ecosystem and now they're just this big behemoth and they bought, you know, three of the banks. Uh, <laughs> one can dream, right? Um, but I think at this point we'll be- You have to, if you're a startup founder, if you're not dreaming, then you, you probably you're not a startup founder. You nailed it, you nailed it. You know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I want to be global, right? And I kind of want Pakistan to say, hey, this company is built out of Pakistan. The majority of the talent comes out of Pakistan. Like, the, the, the product designs and everything else that comes out of, out of Pakistan and put this focus that, hey, 
there is great talent. There's great opportunity there. And there's a lot more coming. Wonderful, Jordan. It's really nice to see founders like you coming in and creating a startup ecosystem in Pakistan. All the best wishes for your success and for your team as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening to WeatherTech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.